quick look now at our all-important radar defense screen. Mature regenerated circuits are tuned asynchronously, and that causes concatenation in the intermediate amplifier. Initiated startup sequence. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bishop O'Connell Roundtable podcast here in our English department at Bishop O'Connell High School. My name is Mr. John Meehan. I'm with you as always. And this week, um, I didn't plan this podcast. In fact, I had a whole bunch of students come up to me and ask if they could have a conversation on the air about a topic that I know nothing about. Uh, they know more than me, and I'm super excited to have it. Um, we're joining today with our poetry club, newly formed club here at O'Connell High School. Um, and it's totally student-run, student-generated. You guys come in, you get together, you talk about poems. That's super cool. Um, and so this week, to kind of give a plug to our, our poetry club and to uh, show us off in action, uh, we had a chance to take a look at Edgar Allan Poe's The Bells, which feels like a really cool thing to do for Halloween time. Um, so real quick, I just want to have a chance for everybody who's here in the podcast to say hi, introduce themselves. Uh, maybe we can go around the horn and say who we are and... Uh, that, 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 I guess that's it. Um, to my left, Thomas Bascom. Did I get that right? That's right. Thomas, what, what is your grade here at O'Connell? I'm a senior. Senior. Do you have a favorite type of poem or poetry? Or a thing that you like most about it? I guess I kind of like free verse because it gives like a large domain. Okay, cool. Do you write poetry yourself? I do. Very cool. So you write in free verse as well? Yes. Neat. Um, are you proud of it? Do you have something you would, you would consider sharing for our literary magazine? Just oh, say yeah. yes. Yeah. That's the right answer. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, well, welcome to the, to the party today. Um, it was great to have you. And thanks for approaching me with the idea for this podcast. Super cool. Well, it was, it was, we need a lot of publicity. And yeah. It seems like a very good Hey, <laughs> we're on iTunes. We're famous. So I'm all about it. Um, to your left, uh, my right, let me get this right. It's Cameron Feely, correct? Yeah. Cameron, uh, what grade are you at here at O'Connell High School? Um, I'm a senior, but I transferred. Okay, so this is your first year and your last year at O'Connell High School. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite style of poetry or poet? Or? Um, I really like the guy who did the Red Wheelbarrow, Carlos. William Carlos Williams. Yeah. Modernist poetry. Yeah. Um, because it's, what, what's your reason for but liking it? I feel like it's very expressive in a short amount of time. Like, there's so much in his poems that are conveyed within, like, eight to six lines, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's super compact, and it's like you have to dig it apart. Um, yeah. It's very modernist, very very unconventional uh, mm -hmm. poetry. Excellent. Very cool. Welcome to the podcast. Um, and to my right, um, speaking of our literary magazine, uh, one of our editors for the Largest Literary Magazine, Miss Victoria Gordon. Hello. Hi. Um, and you're a senior? I am a senior. And you like poems? I, I love poems. And you write poems? I love writing poems. Good. Um, do you have a favorite style or author uh, or thing about poetry that you love? Free verse, spoken word, slams all of that good stuff. And I've really been into rereading um, Shel Silverstein lately. Nice. Super cool. <laughs> We're planning to go over that. That's, that's like that. a very cool uh, first introduction for a lot of students to poetry. Shel Silverstein, Dr. Seuss stuff, and it's great. The rhyme is it's, it's really catchy, um, very easy to get a hold of. Um, well, welcome, guys. Thank you for, for joining us on the podcast. Uh, we have two more members in the podcast. They'll just wave in the background. I know they didn't want to be on air. Um, but hi, guys. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just wave at you. Um, they, they didn't feel comfortable having their voices recorded. And so I'm going to make them feel awkward and just just wave a bunch of times. So if you ever wanted to shout anything out, feel free to. Um, it's, it's your group. I just wanted to get a get a conversation started here about um, Edgar Allan Poe. 
and about uh, poetry. And you guys are really the brains of the operation. So I figure what we do is we just read a short piece of Edgar Allan Poe's together, and we'll talk about why we like it and what's neat about it and some of the cool tricks he's pulling off as a writer. Um, we have printed copies here for ourselves. We're going to read, um, there's just four stanzas or four sections. They're, they're, they're pretty short. Um, and the poem is called The Bells. Thomas, you want to start us with the first stanza? Okay. Hear the sledges with the bells, silver bells. What a world of merriment their melody foretells. How they tinkle, tinkle, tinkle in the icy air of night. While the stars that oversprinkle all the heavens seem to twinkle with a crystalline delight. Keeping time, time, time in a sort of runic rhyme to the tin, tin ebullition that so musically swells from the bells, 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 from the jingling and tinkling of the bells. Nice work. Uh, Cameron, can you pick up with the second stanza? Hear the mellow wedding bells, golden bells. That a world of happiness in their harmony foretells. Through the balm, balmy air of night, how they ring out their delight. From the molten golden notes, and all in tune, what a liquid ditty floats to the turtle dove that listens while she gloats on the moon. Oh, from the sounding cells, what a gushing, what what a gush of euphony. Euphony yeah. voluminously wells. <coughs> How it swells, how it dwells, oh, on the future, it tells of rapture that impels, of the swinging and the ringing of the bells, 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 of the bells, 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 of the rhyming and the chiming of the bells. I'll pick up with the third stanza. Next work. It says, hear the loud alarm bells, brazen bells. What tale of terror now their turbulency tells. In the startled ear of night, how they scream out their affright. Too much horrified to speak, they can only shriek, shriek, out of tune, in a clamorous appealing to the mercy of the fire, in a mad expostulation of the deaf and frantic fire, leaping higher, higher, with a desperate desire, and a resolute endeavor now, now to sit or never, by the side of the pale-faced moon. Oh, the bells, 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 what a tale their terror tells of despair, how they clang and clash and roar, what a horror they outpour on the bosom of the palpitating air, yet the ear it fully knows by the twanging and the clanging, how their danger ebbs and flows, yet the ear distinctly tells in the jangling and the wrangling how the danger sinks and swells by the sinking and the swelling and the anger of the bells of the bells of the bells, 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 in the clamor and the clangor of the bells. Wanna go stanza four? Victoria. Here the tolling of the bells, iron bells, what a world of solemn thought their monody, monody compels. In the silence of the night, how we shiver with affright at the melancholy meaning of their tone. For every sound that floats from the breast within their throats is a groan. And the people, ah, the people, they that dwell up in the steeple, all alone, and who, tolling, 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 in that muffled monotone, Feel a glory in so rolling. On the human heart a stone. They are neither man nor woman. They are neither brute nor human. They are ghouls. And their king it is who tolls. And he rolls, 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 rolls. A pain from the bells. And his mercy bosom swells. With the pain of the bells. And he dances and he yells. Keeping time, time, time in a sort of runic rhyme to the pain of the bells, of the bells, 
keeping time, 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 in a sort of runic rhyme, to the throbbing of the bells, of the bells, 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 to the sobbing of the bells, keeping time, 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 as he knells, 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 in a happy runic rhyme, to the rolling of the bells, of the bells, 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 to the tolling of the bells, of the bells, 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 to the moaning and the groaning of the bells. <sighs> I got the shivers. Um, so let's talk about this poem because the word bells comes up a lot. Um, just a little bit, right? Um, happy poem, sad poem, celebratory poem, like mournful? Is there something good or bad going on here? I mean, what are your first impressions when you read this poem? We can go in any sort of direction. Thomas. I think that each of these, like, each one of these parts is a little bit of a different emotion. Okay. Like, one is very, I, I don't want to say happy because it doesn't expressly give, like, a happy tone, but it does give, like, what you think a fairy would be. Like, Something bright. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cameron. I think that the bells, each one is a bell's like tracking someone's life. Like the first is the sleigh bells, like you said, like a fairy, kind of like with the innocence. And then you have the wedding bells, and then you have, you know, the horror towards the end, and then you have the death, like the tolling of the bells when someone dies. Is at least how I always. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, hey, totally you're yeah, chiming in for the. Wait, no, I want to hear from all this stuff. Wait, up, yeah. you're in the far corner. Your name again was. Jin Lee. Hi, Jin Lee. Um, Hi. And and you you said you weren't going to say anything, but now you're really compelled to speak. Go ahead. I totally agree with Cameron. Totally agree with Cameron. Yes. Um, you felt that that idea about moving from different phases of somebody's life. Yes, because each each one first starts with silver bells, different types of bells, silver bells, golden bells, brazen bells, iron bells. Okay, um, so there's there's a movement from like happy, like a sleigh bell, all the way through these next types of bells, um, and they're sort of like charting different parts of someone's someone's life. Um, that scene where we have like the third stanza, I think the one I had read about the horror of the bells. Are there any image like let's talk about imagery, poetic imagery, where they're painting a picture with words? Where is there? Gosh, there's more people joining join, in. Um, uh, your name is Kaylee. Kaylee. Okay, and Kaylee, do you have a last name, Kaylee? Uh, Keegan. Kaylee Keegan. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Um, why don't you, I mean, if you want to come on, come on, come up. You guys were shy at first, but I want to make sure the microphone picks up uh, what you had to say. So, Kaylee Keegan, speak nice and loud so the microphone um, can hear you. Well, I think when it says um, for every sound that floats, um, well, there are some parts I can't exactly. Um, try to find it like immediately in the poem, but there are some parts that it kind of like creates an image of like, um, and you can imagine it, I guess, um, with like the words and all. Sure. So they're doing a great job painting a picture with the words exactly. to kind of carry us through it. Um, go ahead, Cameron. Mm-hmm. For the third stanza, stanza, it just makes me think of some like a, um, some small town in like North, like New England, and some burning, like building burning no, that's gas, exactly and like the church trying to get people to get out there and like put this fire down. So it starts with something like a sleigh bell, which feels very New Englandy. You mm-hmm. know, like it's cool, oh, it's Christmas. wonderful, Christmassy like. Um, Edgar Allan Poe is a, is a Baltimore guy, so maybe this sort of East Coast winter kind of thing going on, sleigh bells. You buying mm-hmm. that, Tom? I 
Nod, nod and head to that one. Um, and then moving through that phase of someone's life to a wedding. Um, beautiful occasion, golden bells. There's some really beautiful assonance there. It's talking about how the, uh, the sounds of these bells, the molten golden notes all in tune. It just feels pretty. I mean, it sounds pretty. Um, and then it moves to that third time where you hear bells, and now we have their alarm bells. And it suddenly doesn't feel as pretty anymore. And people are screaming and clanging and they're shrieking. I mean, words like uh, terror, every bell is just louder and louder and louder like you can't escape it. Um, do, you get a, do you get a sense in this, this uh, poem that uh, like, it's deliberately upsetting us on a purpose? Yeah. I'm seeing some nodded heads. Cameron. I think that that's what makes this so great is the false like, sense of security you get at the beginning of the poem. It sort of lulls you in. Yeah. Um, Victoria, you're nodding ahead too. Well, no, I think, well, I know our viewers can't really see it, but I don't know if they heard it, but the sizes of each section, each gets predominantly large, and I think it starts off like there's a lot of pureness that comes with being a child, and then you grow up and there's more responsibility, more thoughts, more emotions that you deal with until you're kind of just thinking of the same thing over and over again, which is just these bells. Kind of like a piece of classical music. Yeah. It's like a piece of classical music. It's like it's, it goes like really slowly, and then they can't, they bring out the cannons. Yeah, and it gets really loud, and then it escalates very, very quickly. Um, go also, ahead. Like if you think about the size of the bells, like sleigh bells, you know, they're palm size, and then you know, mm -hmm. it kind of starts off with that palm size bell and gets bigger and bigger until you're at the end. I know, like it physically to me like represents the size of the bells as we're going. And then the more bells we hear, like the louder it almost the, the word bells is, is like a sound effect word there. And as it as it go as a kind of side effect from growing bigger, each in each section, it gets to be like a deeper, more somber sounding bell. Yeah, I'm looking at like the fact in that fourth stanza they say these are neither human nor brute, man or woman. They're ghouls. Like these bells are like ghostly, like otherworldly sounds. I guess you could say there's like some personification in them that. Sure. Um, the bells are almost becoming alive, right? Exactly. Um, which is terrifying. Uh, there's, there's a lot of weird stuff in here. Um, is there a line that stands out to you as like a favorite line or one that's like when you walk away, it would be like, ooh, that one stuck with me. Every time I, I read it, I like that one about the molten golden notes. I think that's pretty. Um, and then that word little ditty, I think, or liquid ditty, I think that's it's pretty to kind of give you a false sense of security to, to trick you into the, the piece. I like, I like how it references the moon from the transition of the second to the third. So it goes, on the maternal does that listens while she gloats on the moon, and then it goes, um, and now to sit or never by the side of the pale-faced moon. Like, I feel like it's kind of transitioning a loss. Like maybe the person whose life this is about isn't about their death, right. but about, you know, the person that they love's death <coughs> from this. They also use like they they use that kind of imagery. I don't even. I feel like they even use the same like wording, kind of wording in in the Raven. Oh sure. Like mm -hmm. With Lenore, they had like I I'm pretty sure they had the pale face moon in the Raven. That's a very Poe-like thing to use similar language and give it a totally different, darker meaning when we revisit it later. Um, in the beginning, we talked about uh, that keeping time, time, time in a sort of runic rhyme. Um, in the first stanza. He then used that towards the end that Victoria read so, so well. It, it says keeping time, time, time in a sort of runic rhyme. Like there's a perpetual nature to time that it always keeps coming and time, time, time. You can hear it like marking out. And while we're celebrating it early, it's also inevitable that it's going to be there at the end, um, which is 
really dark. I don't know. Um, you're, you're, you were smiling in like a gross way about this. Uh, <laughs> Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, when I was reading the last stanza, I think at first I kind of just started off like, okay, okay, I'm getting into this. I was kind of getting the feel that there was something growing. I don't know if it was within the speaker or not, but or I guess around the speaker. But I think as I started to get towards the end of re reading the last um, section, there was just this, I guess, content feeling. That sounds kind of dark. Um, there was this feeling that, okay, it's the end. And not like just the end of the poem, but just this is the end of... There's an inevitability yeah. of it here about, you know, that's the happy runic rhyme. It was there all along. We saw it in the beginning, and it really does come back there to haunt us at the end. Cameron? Just with, like, Poe's background, I think that actually this might be more about, or, like, a single relationship he had mm -hmm. with someone than mapping out, like, you know, like, they're dating with the sleigh bells, and they're going out before Christmas, and then they get married, and then, you know, disaster strikes, and at the end, it's him and his despair at the loss of this person. It would be really. It would, I think it would be really creepy if this turned it out to be turned out to be like a love letter to his thirteen-year-old cousin. Okay. Well, that, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, Edgar Allan Poe has a lot of dark things in his life bio. Yeah. Yeah. He, he died. He dies penniless and alone in a gutter. Unfortunately, and uh, thought to be weird for a number of reasons. And it certainly comes through in his poetry that madness, desperation, um, fear, isolation. Really happy feelings here as we enter the the fall months here. It's a, it's a really gothic. It's got a lot of gothic elements, and the thing I do if I want to say, is this, is this really Poe, is I just imagine it being said with the James Earl Jones voice, and if it sounds... Oh, that real booming, sort of heavy, scary sounding voice. If it sounds dark and ominous, even if it's like something happy like with the, the silver bells, yeah. then I know it's Poe. I always think of Hot Topic when I see like uh, Edgar Allan Poe, right? It's like, yeah. you know, it's always dark, gothic eyeliner, like black and white stripes like a Tim Burton movie. Um, you know, it's very, very, very affected, very, very sad, um, very angsty, um, and not like, not like, not like in a way that it's like you know playing rock music in its basement, but it's it's really kind of you know very deep in its 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 thoughts, and uh, I don't know, it's very twisted and weird and wonderful like that. He, he like his sense of like love and loss and relationships is like some like theme that he continues on with all of his work. Yeah. Like. He's like consumed by it. Yeah, and it's. <laughs> He just has problems with women. He's in all of his poetry. <laughs> he, I mean, like Lenore, with Annabelle Lee. Um, a lot of his poetry is is haunted by almost like the idea of like a long lost love that is is now in another realm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that doesn't go away. That kind of haunts you, sticks with you. Um, so by the time this actually it publishes, we'll publish it on Friday, um, and this will be where we kind of close the conversation. Um, it'll be up for Halloween. Um, do you guys have a favorite thing about Edgar Allan Poe that makes you feel like it's perfect for Halloween um, as readers are listening to it over the weekend or getting ready for the holiday spirit? Is there something very Poe-like about Halloween? Or I have a really cool pair of like Edgar Allan Poe dock socks. Oh, you like that? No, I really do. I'm not kidding. They, they have Edgar Allan Poe on them as polka dots. Um, I'm not, I don't have them on today if I would have known, but Monday I'll have them on. Um, like, is there something about Edgar Allan Poe that feels perfect for this time of year? Don't know what he died from. Oh yeah, right. So mystery uh, causes of death. That that's 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 a dark thing. Uh, Thomas. Again, it's just it's it's what I mentioned before about the uh, James Earl Jones voice, like that ominous feeling, no matter what he's saying. Yeah. I I very uh, I urge the listeners to listen to uh, 
James Earl Jones' rendition of the Raven. It's yeah. Haunting. It's haunting. It's great. And actually, if you've seen the Simpsons rendition of it, yeah. they play <laughs> it uh, with the James Earl Jones. But Victoria, you get the last word for the day. Um, this is a little off topic, but still on topic. Um, one of the students that goes to this school um, that I'm somewhat friends with, she has Edgar Allan Poe's desk in her house. Super cool. Right? That's, That's kind of haunted. Fun, right. right. No, I'm not sitting there. Nope. No. Not doing it. <laughs> um, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for your time together. In the back, want to give a wave to say goodbye to the podcast. Um, listeners, thank you guys for tuning in this week. Awesome club of students. Great people to know. If you want to have more in the way of any poetry conversations, these five individuals are awesome people to talk to. Um, hopefully, this will get some people uh, you know, more interested about it. This is what a poetry club looks like. We get around and talk about poems. Um, if you want more uh, about podcasts or you need to learn more from me. I'm at MeHandDJO on Twitter. You can tweet at me at any time. Um, we'll be back with the next episode next week. Hopefully not as spooky. Um, ladies and gentlemen, round of applause. Good work for you and uh, nice job. Thanks again.